If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Philadelphia CityCast with Ryan Rothstein, presented by Bet Rivers. All right, welcome back, Philadelphia City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein, recording this here on Friday, August 5th. Give me a follow at WiseRye on Twitter. You can find links to each and every episode, as well as all of the podcast platforms we are available to you on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, whatever your preferred uh, podcast platform may be. We're there for you. Make sure you are subscribed and following the show the Phillies get the win on Thursday Cindergard throws a complete game five innings nonetheless uh, the rain came after the top of the fifth and that's enough for the game to be a final the Phillies hang on to win five to four against the Washington Nationals uh, game two of this four game set now on Friday night and let's give you the betting odds here to start the episode for Friday. Phillies, the home favorite, minus 210 at Bet River Sportsbook. Washington, plus 175 as the road dog. The run line, Washington getting the one and a half, priced at minus 115. The Phillies laying the one and a half, priced at minus 103. Total runs right now set at nine. The over priced at minus 104. The under priced at minus 115. Probables. Getting the ball to start this matchup for Washington. Uh, Josiah Gray is getting the ball. And for the Phils, Kyle Gibson getting the ball. Uh, you look at Gray. He's 7-7 seven and seven this season with an ERA of 4.59. He has a whip of 1.28. 102 innings pitched in his 19 
starts. He has four starts in his career against the Phillies, where he's posted an ERA of 3.86. He also has an ERA of 6.75 in his last five starts. Um, So Gray is... He's he's obviously hittable. He's nothing uh, nothing immortal, uh, but he's one of their better options for the Washington Nationals. That is, and then you look at Gibson. He missed his last scheduled start earlier this week on Tuesday. He was on the bereavement list. Um, Gibson's not been great at home, particularly lately. And Gibson's last three home starts, he has an ERA of almost nine, eight point seven nine. Gibson's record on the season, 6-4, and four, ERA on the season, 4.60, a whip of 1.23 in uh, almost 108 innings pitched, 107 and two-thirds in his 20 starts. Friday night will be his 21st start. The good thing here for the Phils, and obviously Thursday's five-inning game helps both sides as it relates to the bullpen. So rested bullpen on both sides here for both Washington and Philly. And, you know, I factor that in a little bit to the total. I actually do like the under nine in this matchup with uh, two healthy and rested, not healthy, but relatively healthy. Philly's bullpen has been rocking and rolling and they get uh, some rest on Thursday. So I think that should only help them uh, when they get called upon on Friday night. Uh, So I do like the under nine and the Phillies, when you look at the run line, laying the one and a half, you're not getting the best price in the world at minus 103. Um, Phillies have been in a lot of close games, right? Phillies are seven and one in their last eight games, which is great. Three of those seven wins have been by one run. So a lot of close games for the Phils. A one run victory in five innings, obviously. On Thursday night, Noah Syndergaard made his debut. Brandon Marsh made his debut. Uh, Syndergaard was okay. Right? I mean, his curveball was pretty nasty. His velocity, obviously, as we all know, is not what it used to be. But uh, he gave up a ton of hits, but he pitched out of uh, a few different jams. Uh, he had first and third, I think, in the third inning. He had second and third, maybe in the fourth inning. He had, you know, he was giving up some hits, but he was able to get out of them for the most part. And, you know, that's certainly a good sign. And uh, I think he's only going to get a little bit better, a little bit stronger as we get later and later into this season. So uh, I think there's signs to be optimistic and overall positive as it relates to the addition of Noah Syndergaard. And it's it's just a, a huge, huge benefit for the Phillies to not only have Syndergaard, of course, but Brandon Marsh. I really liked what I saw from him on Thursday. I'm excited to continue to watch him play in a Phillies uniform. All right, let's get to the futures market odds here, and we'll give you some updates for Major League Baseball, we'll start with the World Series updated odds. And for the Phillies, they're sitting at 35 to 1. Not much has changed for them. Uh, betting favorite, still the Dodgers at plus 325. Then you have the Yankees right there, plus 350. The Houston Astros, plus 425. The Mets are 7 to 1. The Braves are 7 to 1. The Padres, their odds obviously drastically changed with the addition of Juan Soto down to 11 to 1 right now at Bet River Sportsbook to win the World Series. Toronto 14 to 1, Milwaukee 20 to 1, uh, and I'll throw in St. Louis at 30 to 1. You look at the AL odds, 
betting favorite is those Yankees at plus 140, Astros 2 to 1, Toronto plus 650, Seattle 17 to 1. Uh, you look at the National League, the Dodgers, of course, still the betting favorite at plus 165 to come out of the NL. The Mets plus 325, Atlanta 5 to 1. Uh, your Phillies are 21 to 1. And joining us in just a little bit on this episode, Phillies reporter Frank Close of 97.3 ESPN, former co-worker of mine, friend of mine. Frank will join us uh, to talk some Phillies. And I do want to ask Frank his thoughts on the National League. Uh, do the Phillies have enough for a potential run, that type of a postseason run? I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but we can always have some fun with those conversations. We'll also get Frank's thoughts on the NL East and uh, maybe even talk about the Juan Soto trade and the impact it will have in the NL. So we definitely have a lot to get to. And as far as the National League East updated odds, to win the division, the Mets, the heavy favorite at minus 305. Atlanta, right there, four and a half games back, and there's plenty of games left head-to-head -head between the Mets and the Braves, of course. Atlanta at plus 230. The Phillies are all the way at 75-1. to one. Just a few days ago, they were at 55-1. to one. Uh, So, <laughs> Bet Rivers says Phillies have a better chance of, much better chance of winning the World Series than they do the division. It's fine, fine by me. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll accept that if that were to play out that way, right? So uh, a lot of Phillies talk here on this episode. Uh, we'll dive into a little bit more of the Friday night matchup, and I'll give you my best bet. I'm leaning towards the under. I'll just throw it out there right now to start the episode. Uh, I do like the under. You certainly could go Phillies money line, but um, you know, minus 210, you don't feel great about that price. Uh, we'll also look at some player props available to you at Bet Rivers coming up in this episode as well. We have some Eagles thoughts to get to. Uh, we'll give you the update for the NFL. We had the Hall of Fame game last night. Doug Peterson, it is still really, really strange to see Doug Peterson on a sideline that's not Philadelphia's uh, rocking the Jacksonville hat, obviously coaching for Jacksonville now. Uh, saw that in the Hall of Fame game last night. So uh, plenty of NFL to discuss here on this Friday edition. If you want to go over the betting splits, the public betting splits, as of the time of recording this for the Phillies Nationals tonight at 7.05 at Citizens Bank Park, early in the day, but nonetheless, 90%, uh, 95%, excuse me, of the betting uh, total, total money coming in uh, on the Phillies money line. You look at the percent of tickets on the money line 77 percent of the tickets thus far have taken the phillies on the money line you look at the total 90 percent of the handle going with the under and then 66 percent of the tickets going with the over as far as the run line spread almost 99 percent of the money going with the fills laying the one and a half and then 86 percent of the tickets also laying the one and a half with the Philadelphia Phillies here tonight. Kyle Gibson getting the ball. Uh, so should be a good one here. The Phillies, listen, they have an opportunity. Not just tonight, not just in this series, but for their schedule coming up. Uh, you know, they're playing teams like the Reds, like the Nationals. Just played the Pirates. They play them again. So they have an opportunity to take care of business and win games they're supposed to win. And more importantly, win series that they're supposed to win. 
So you can't let up here. This is um, this is a chance for the Phils to uh, really help really help position themselves for the month of September, and of course for Harper's return. Harper was excellent, by the way, uh, in the booth on Thursday night. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, Bryce Harper joined the TV broadcast, the local TV broadcast on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia last night for a good chunk of the game, almost you know three or four innings. And uh, he was entertaining. He was absolutely awesome. All right, so Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein. Give me the follow on Twitter, at WiseRye, and that's where you'll be able to give the show a follow. Uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, rate us, review us. Each and every subscription, follow, review goes a really long way uh, in helping grow the show. Frank Close joins us next. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide you extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Bet Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. All right, let's bring Frank into the conversation now and make sure you're following him if you aren't already at Frank Close. Frank with a K, two Ks. Frank, K-L-O-S-E, Phillies reporter for 97.3 ESPN. Uh, does an excellent job covering the fills. And Frank, before we get right into him, first of all, welcome and nice to uh, nice to talk to you, my friend. Thanks. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little while, but. <laughs> Uh, I've been listening to you on, on the airwaves and uh, keeping up with everything you're putting out there. So great stuff as always. Let's start with, Frank, the Noah Syndergaard debut. And 11 hits, I believe that was the, the final tally. In five innings, he gets the win, though, his first win in his first game as a Philly. Let's get Frank's thoughts on uh, the Syndergaard debut. Hey, it was a complete game victory, right? That's, That's right. <laughs> well, you know what? A lot, a lot people don't think about is he shows up on Wednesday. He, he's working with a brand new catcher Thursday. And, and so that does take a while to sort of to sync up uh, with, with your catcher. Now, you have a very good accomplished starter, very good accomplished catcher. They were able to get through that, but I, I wouldn't worry too much. He's not pitching on his normal day, so his rhythm is probably off. Uh, doesn't doesn't worry me if that's why you're asking but certainly he can be better than that I mean he's not the Thor of old you know you're not going to expect to see him in his prime with the Mets but uh, I think he's definitely going to be a, a solid rotation piece for a team that that really desperately needed one with Zach Eflin's health now someone asked me this so I'm this is not my original thought but I thought it was a good question do you think the Phillies Think about going to the taking him to the bullpen. Uh, horrible way to phrase that question, but does he remain a starter? And I know we're really getting ahead of ourselves, but let's say the Phillies get into the postseason, they end up securing this third wild card spot. Do you think he's a a third game starter, or do you think he could maybe handle coming out of the bullpen? I don't think you worry about that until you get to till you get there. And the yeah. reason why is 
as the third wild card right now, they're probably going to be battling until the end to, to, to claim it. They're not going to really have time to set up their rotation. So their rotation in the playoffs is going to be who's available after sure. you get to the end of the season. And really, that could decide who ends up with the bullpen. Um, if you have a couple of days off and Suarez was the last guy to pitch at the end of the season, well, then maybe Suarez is the bullpen guy by default. So I, I think that I think it'll kind of play out. I, I, but I but I will say this: I don't with the guys they have. Clearly, you want Nola and Wheeler in the playoffs. But beyond that, I don't think you're really worried about which one is going to pitch beyond that and which one isn't. And then you kind of mix the other one in in the bullpen depending on how the cards fall. So I don't, I don't think there's a clear last starter at the moment. But that that could work itself out later. This team right now. Um... Are you confident in their chances of making the playoffs? Uh, are they a team of destiny? Are you uh, not sure, not sold? Uh, your thoughts on just your, your confidence level with this team right now? I think a lot of us, not going to speak for everyone, but a lot of us are scared for, for the month of September. It feels like we've been here before. Some say this team's a little bit different. Uh, what say you? Well, I think they, they clearly filled three gaping holes on their roster and adding a starting pitcher. And again, that just happened with Zach Eflin getting hurt, so they really had no choice but to replace him. And they really didn't have the depth behind him, so that, that was my worry. So if Bailey Falter, who did okay in his last start in Pittsburgh, uh, is, is going to be your, your starter every fifth day, I'd be worried. So you feel a lot better now that, that if you have a doubleheader like they do against the Mets coming up, that you can throw Bailey Falter in for a start here or there, and you can maybe get by. Uh, so I feel better about that. Center field, I feel much better about with Brandon Marsh. And Brandon Marsh is somebody who really was a top prospect for the Angels. He was their top prospect and kind of ranked higher than Logan Ohapi did, uh, who the Phillies traded for him. And so when you figure, when you think it that way, you know he's kind of growing into the position right now uh, and, and looking towards his his ceiling, which he hasn't gotten to yet. But in the meantime, he can play stellar defense. The Phillies had a clear hole in center field for defense. And since you're going to have to start Nick Castellanos in right and Kyle Schwarber in left, you better have a damn good center fielder. And they finally have that now. And then the bullpen, Yuri Familia was was having one of his worst seasons. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And they replaced him with somebody who's a solid back-end starter who looks pretty darn good in David Robertson. So you got to feel like the holes had been closed. And they even made the tough decision, which surprised me, to cut Didi Gregorius. And Didi Gregorius still could play a good glove. But uh, after his injuries, he just he – just, those knee injuries can really screw up your swing. He's got no power anymore. And, and hopefully for his sake, because he's a great guy, hopefully he gets healthy and can – can hit for somebody eventually, but but they 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 shown in these moves that they mean business. And you know, it used to be uh, the thought would be, well, we're paying Didi Gregorius fourteen million, so you have to keep him. Well, they said, nope, we're going to try to maximize every every last roster spot. And I think in doing so, they'll they'll be in a good position to to hang on and make that playoff spot. But I think the key will be how they do in the month of August. A lot of series against teams that are at this in the cellar right now. Four against the Nationals. They've got a bunch against the Cincinnati Reds. They see the, the Pittsburgh Pirates again. They've got one against Arizona. So if they're taking care of business in these easier series, and again, you should never take anything lightly because uh, they've been known to play down to the competition. And then when you get into September, hopefully you're in a better spot. And and I was I will say this: September doesn't look that 
horrific either on paper. Yeah, you got to hold your own against the Atlanta Braves, uh, a couple against the Blue Jays. So Braves and Blue Jays are the, the opponents that scare you. Three against the Giants, who were a tick below the Phillies. But they've got some games against the Marlins, Nationals, and Cubs. So if they if they hold their own, maybe create a little separation between them and the St. Louis Cardinals in August, I think they're in a good spot in September. But you never know. The, as we saw this season, a couple injuries can make all the difference. So uh, one pitch to Bryce Harper's hand, he's out for months. One pitch to Gene Segura's hand, he's out for months. And so... You got to hope they don't have any more disasters like that. But uh, as as constituted now, I think you're not going to find a whole lot of holes on the Phillies team. Although they they still strike out too much for for my liking at the moment. But um, we'll see. Talk about Alec Baum for a second and and his. I mean, I guess we can say you know turnaround certainly in the field and what he's done with his bat, particularly in the month of July. But uh, he's he's been able to keep this going here in the uh, first few days of August. Just your thoughts on this kid because he's fully won me over. I don't think that's a that's a weird thing to say at this point. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. But I I, I just really enjoy watching the kid bat. I, I'm just so it's so nice to see. Uh, him turn it around like this, and he's become you know one of, if not my favorite Phillies. Well, for me, Alec Bohm, two years ago, I, I thought for sure, because this guy makes contact, I thought for sure two years ago he would not have a sophomore slump. <laughs> and then what ends up happening last year was when he's, when he's swinging, his head is in left field, and he can't get out of his own head at times. You know, I, I, think, I think finally he learned to relax. You know, I think he was someone who felt the pressure, he made the comments. I bleep and hate it here. <laughs> and then it got picked yeah. up on the national broadcast. So <laughs> I, that was a that was probably a good thing because I think he learned that you know the fans aren't against him. They're on his side. They they have his back. And then he finally got to relax a little bit. I mean, the fact that his defense has gotten better. It's not great. I, I'm I'm never going to call him a tremendous third baseman, but his defense was good enough uh, since then overall. Uh, and then now that he's making contact again after relaxing, uh, and we're starting to see it, even last night, his power's coming back. You know, for me, when, when the player starts making contact, you'll see that power soon enough. Like Nick Castellano started making contact again with a bunch of singles in the last week, and then he hits a big home run the other day. So I, I think Bohm is like that. He's going to make a lot of contact. The power is going to come into its own. And his glove, I don't love his glove at third. I think he's going to be... Probably better suited at another position eventually, but that would probably depend on how major roster construction moves are made in the future. Like, do you do you move on from a Reese Hoskins who's going to make a lot of money next year and then be a free agent? Uh, you know, is that an opportunity to make a trade to clear up first base for him? Uh, that th- these are bigger picture questions, or do you, or or if they do that, do they just keep keep him at third base and move Schwarber there, or, or does, does Bohm end up in left field? I always. I, in fact, even before he came up, I, I kind of thought that, and I and I, I'm on the record saying this on the air. I kind of thought that he would be the successor to Andrew McCutcheon in left field when McCutcheon's contract ran out. I, you know, I said that when he came up. So I still think his position is not totally decided, but I think his bat is coming into what its potential is. A lot of contact, and then when you make a lot of contact, the power's coming. Let's look at the National League as a whole for a second, Frank, because you know, obviously the Juan Soto trade is the story of the deadline, uh, and, and you look at look at the the NL as a whole. I mean, you have the Dodgers 
you have the Mets, you have the Braves, the Padres, uh, and then you have, I guess, that second tier of teams, we can call it, of Milwaukee, St. Louis, Philly. We can throw San Francisco in there, I guess, a little bit lightly. But um, who do you like to come out of the NL? And I'll throw in the betting odds. Uh, whether you're a betting guy or not, it's still interesting to, to factor this in here. Uh, Phillies are 21 to 1 to come out of the National League. The favorites, the LA Dodgers at plus 165. Then we have the two NL East teams right behind the Dodgers, Mets and Atlanta at plus 325. Atlanta's 5 to 1. Um, so I threw a lot at you there, but you can just give us your thoughts on the Padres and how much better they got uh, and any of those other top teams. Well, for me, the Braves are still the best team in the NL. Uh, I I know they're behind the Mets in the standings because they had that little bit of a rough start. But Alex Anthopoulos, he just amazes me as a general manager. He, he <laughs> from uh, my, uh, I'll take a step back. So this offseason, my my thought was, well, yeah, clearly the the Braves are the favorites, unless Freddie Freeman doesn't come back. Well, in my opinion. Alex Anthopoulos managed to make the Braves better and lost Freddie Freeman. <laughs> so Matt, Matt Olson is, is, is a force to be reckoned with, and I think he's only going to get better. So once things started gelling and they started going, I, I, I think there's nobody better than the Braves. Now, the standings say that they're four and a half behind the Mets. Whether they catch up to the Mets or not, I still think they will. Uh, I, when they start playing head-to-head, I think they're going to they're gonna make that up. Uh, but to me, the Braves would be my, would be my favorite. Um, Dodgers, I still think, are, of course, a powerhouse. I, I would put them a close second. Of course, they are the recipient of Freddie Freeman, even though they lost Corey Seager. Uh, you know, it, but Trey Turner is amazing. So they've got a great, great thing going out there in L.A. Um, but uh, in terms of San Diego, I think they've got a little bit of an uphill battle. I mean, the Phillies got within a, a game and a half of, of the Padres. They're still going to play a lot against the Dodgers, like the Phillies will play a lot against the uh, Braves, you know, there's division games, but um, Padres, I, <laughs> this might be their, their their short window. You know, they made that trade for Soto. They've got two years of control after this one. They did not negotiate a long-term contract with so with uh, um, Soto when they did it, and so they they had better they had better win. I think they're they're going to be a wild card team. I don't think you're going to see them fall off uh, the rails like they did last year at the last minute, and I think they've got the They've got the leadership this year to to make things happen. You know the the Oakland Athletics, my gosh, they they were in cut salary mode, and they even got to the point where they said, "Well, we're going to just cut the salary of Bob Melvin. The Padres can have him." I mean, <laughs> that's that that I think that was a huge ad for the Padres. You know, they got a guy who used to be able to, uh, or excuse me, the team used to sort of get in their heads and fall apart when they would start facing adversity. They got a manager now, which just keeps keeps them even keel and, and playing hard every day. So I do like the Padres. I don't know that I think that they're going to be um, still kind of the powerhouse. I think they're pitching. Um, they you know they added Manaya, which of course is is a big arm in that rotation this year. Uh, but but you know a lot of the the, the names in that rotation, uh, Blake Snell, he's been up and down at times. Joe Musgrove, really nice pitcher out there. Uh, they seem to benefit at home a lot when they pitch. You know, that's kind of a big ballpark. But uh, on the road, uh, I you know, I don't think that they're they're going to be as strong. So I I, th- I think they're a tick below the, the top-tier teams, uh, maybe comparable to the Phillies at this point, although when you have a lineup, when once Tatis gets back, um, hmm. we'll see how well he responds. 
but obviously there's big three in that lineup uh, with <laughs> yeah, Tatis, Soto, and Machado. That's that's going to be uh, that's going to be a force. So, um, but but there are three guys. I, they they still need a full pitching staff there. They grab Josh Hader, of course, makes you better. Uh, but but so they're trying their best. I will say, and they mortgage the future to do it. I mean, they gave up a lot to get uh, Josh Bell and, and Soto and. Bell's okay. I, I mean, I, I think he's a nice player. I don't think he's a game changer type player, but uh, we'll help them as well. So, so they they, they loaded up to, to win this year. I still think that they're they're a tick below those big teams, but um, but for me, I still like Atlanta a lot. You, you mentioned you like the Braves to to win the NL East here. Currently, the Braves are four and a half back of the New York Mets. The time of Frank and I recording this episode uh, and you look at their betting odds to win the division at bet rivers sportsbook here in pa uh plus 230 so uh frank you obviously think that's that's a good bet then uh, especially if if that's how you feel uh this division is going to play out yeah i would i would i would take that bet i'm i'm uh, certainly certainly the mets are a lot better with jacob Degrom back with them uh but I, I don't know. I really, really like this Braves offense, and yeah, the Braves are scuffling a little bit this week. But uh, you know, when you look at what they have remaining on their schedule, I think that they can, they can take care of business. You know, I, I went through the Philly schedule a little bit there. You know, the Braves, because they're an NL East team, they 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 have a very comparable schedule. Now they got some of those teams already. They'll get some more. Uh, you know, it's not exact, but generally speaking, they they face a lot of the same opponents. Uh, and I think the Braves have a pretty, pretty good schedule down the rest of the way as well. So uh, the Mets might have the toughest schedule of the three, but um, this is going to be a big weekend in in uh, New York as the Braves face the Mets for four. So it's four and a half games right now. I could easily see this thing go into – the Braves could pick up some games. So if the Braves take three out of four, well, guess what? They just picked up two of those games, and then you don't think much about two and a half. And then you got four games in Atlanta in a couple weeks. So it's it's they, they could make that – they can make it up really quickly, uh, depending on how things go. Frank, we'll we'll end with this question, uh, and I appreciate your time. Rob Thompson, uh, your your thoughts and assessment on what he's done uh, since the firing of Joe Girardi, and is it clear and obvious that he's the guy you know for the future that he's going to get that interim tag removed? I would hope he does. Uh, so there's. There's a process when you hire a permanent manager, and Dave Dombrowski said this: you can't just appoint somebody. You know, there's, there's, uh, there are rules in the league that you, that, you know, it's like the baseball equivalent of the Rooney Rule. You know, make sure you, make sure you interview a, a, a diverse uh, slate of candidates. Um, so, so you can't get locked in that way when you throw somebody in the interim tag. But do I think he's earned it? I think absolutely. You know, I think of someone like Brian Snicker with the with the Braves. Now, Brian Snicker kind of ended up manager in the same kind of way. He kind of came in as interim manager, and uh, that was in a circumstance where the GM <laughs> got fired and banned from baseball for sketchy business. The manager gets fired too, so he kind of he kind of uh, went in there in a tough circumstance. And Brian Snicker won a World Series. I think Rob Thompson's the same kind of guy, a baseball lifer who's done so much good in, in, in different organizations, and really is the type of guy that always deserves the shot but never seems to get it. Well, I think. Thanks to his circumstances, he's in the, he's primed to get it. Um, I think he deserves deserves the opportunity. I think the players respond well to him. I can see him communicating with the players in a way that is, I would say, better than Joe Girardi. I mean, he's everybody's got their own style, but I think the one thing that that 
he brings especially is his communication with the players. And uh, last week, I, it was really telling. I was in Pittsburgh to watch the series, and uh, when Odubel Herrera did, did not score on a ball he clearly should have scored on, uh, at the top of the dugout before he got in, he addressed it right away. And I think that was him standing up for the players in that dugout who probably had their full of, of Herrera. So when that happened, I was sure that Herrera would be gone <laughs> as soon as they could get somebody else. Uh, but, but you know, a, a manager like that who um, stands up for his players and communicates with the players, I, th I think, uh, deserves the opportunity. Because you know what? As much, much as this game is tactical and Rob Thompson, one, one of his strengths has been managing this bullpen, it, it, a, lot of, a lot of management period is dealing with personalities. And he seems to do that very, very well. Where, you know, it's like any job. If you don't feel valued, if you don't feel like you know your role, if you don't feel like your management has your back, you're not going to perform the same. So if you think back to whatever job you've had, whether I was working in retail or in higher education as I do, the really good managers did all those things. And I think it's no different in baseball. Someday I'm going to write the book, management book on on tips for uh, corporate life from, from Major League Baseball. But uh, I, I think he could give us some lessons there. Uh, excellent stuff, Frank. Uh, give him a follow at Frank Close, Phillies reporter for 97.3 ESPN, uh, joining us here today, providing excellent insight and having some fun uh, on this episode. Frank, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate your time. Hey, great to talk to you, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it again soon, maybe uh, when the calendar turns to September. So Sounds good to uh, me. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, great stuff there from Frank. And as we've mentioned, please make sure you give Frank a follow on social media at Frank Close, F-R-A-N-K-K-L-O-S-E. Phillies reporter for 97.3 ESPN uh, covers the Phillies, does, does great work. One of many excellent reporters and insiders in this city of Philadelphia covering the Fightins. Let's switch gears now uh, to wrap up the episode. We'll talk some birds. Eagles in training camp, as we all know, well underway. Hall of Fame game on Thursday night, uh, inching closer to the first preseason game for the Birds. Plenty of talk, of course, on it. the Eagles and the starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts, on the new faces, uh, including, of course, A.J. Brown, amongst others. Uh, that could be a huge impact and X factor on this team and this team's success not only to make the playoffs, but to win the division, uh, to get over the nine and a half win mark uh, and everything in between. So we still have plenty to discuss regarding the NFL and particularly our Philadelphia Eagles. Let's look at the updated odds in the futures market here and um, Eagles odds to win the Super Bowl 30 to one. So pretty similar to the Phillies odds as of now to win the World Series. Phillies are at 35 to one. The Eagles are at 30 to one, but uh, I digress. Let's stick to NFL for a second. Betting favorite to win the Super Bowl right now at Bet Rivers, the Buffalo Bills at six to one. Then you have Tampa Bay at plus seven fifty, Green Bay ten to one, the Chiefs ten to one, Rams, the defending champ at eleven to one, the Chargers fifteen to one. Chargers are man, they've become a popular bet right now with Justin Herbert. Uh, Assumingly getting another year stronger and better at the quarterback position. We shall see. Cincinnati Bengals 22 to 1. The Dallas Cowboys are 18 to 1. Uh, switching to NFC championship winner. 
Tampa Bay is the betting favorite to come out of the conference at plus 333 at Bet Rivers. Green Bay plus 450. The Rams 5 to 1. San Francisco 7 to 1. Then you have Dallas at plus 850. And the Eagles at 13 to 1. All right, looking at NFC East updated odds. Not much has changed. Dallas still the slight betting favorite at plus 125. You have the Eagles at plus 165. Washington plus 550. And the Giants at eight to one. Uh, how about an update on regular season MVP? Josh Allen. His team is the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. He's the betting favorite to win MVP of the NFL, seven to one for Allen. Brady's next at eight to one. We have Mahomes at nine to one. Herbert, as we just mentioned, at ten to one to win MVP. Aaron Rodgers, eleven to one to win it three times in a row. Uh, Joe Burrow, thirteen to one. Then we have Dak Prescott down there at 17 to 1. Uh, and you don't really stumble upon Jalen Hurts. So you scroll down a little bit. He's 30 to 1 to win regular season. MVP. Uh, something we've talked a little bit about in the past. Defensive rookie of the year. That is something that is growing on me. And um, I, I really like the thought of betting Nicobe Dean to win defensive rookie of the year. But, you know, we, we've talked to a bunch of Eagles insiders already here. Um, most recently, Jeff Carr of CBS, national NFL insider reporter for CBS Sports. We talked to John McMullen, who covers the Eagles locally for Philly Voice, Sports Illustrated, amongst some other outlets. Um, you know, Jeff Carr says the Eagles are Really excited about both of these rookies, but they want to get Nicobe Dean plugged in as a starter as soon as he's healthy enough and able to go. So he could be starting as soon as week one. Jordan Davis, he's certainly going to be on the field plenty, but as Jeff Kerr mentioned last week, uh, he's going to be you know, a, a, a part of a rotation there for the defensive line and up front. You know, I, He's not going to be someone that's going to be on the field every, every down, and that's an ideal situation. You don't... You don't want to have have to rely on that. You want to have options and rotate guys in and out, keep the big boys fresh. So, you know, we'll see how much playing time uh, Jordan Davis, the rookie out of Georgia, ends up getting here early on in the season. But for going off of the report and thoughts from Jeff Kerr, then you feel good about uh, taking Nicobe Dean to win defensive rookie of the year based off of the reports that the Eagles coaches and coaching staff are really high on him uh, and they want to plug and play him at the starting position, you know, pretty much as soon as possible. Nicobe Dean's nine to one to win defensive rookie of the year award. Jordan Davis is at 14 to one. Uh, Nicobe Dean is fifth uh, on the wagering menu, only four guys ahead of him to win defensive rookie of the year at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. So, um, there you go. He's someone that I'm going to keep a close eye on, and I do like that bet for Nicobe Dean at 9-1 to one, uh, to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. But uh, I do want to get to, before we get out of here, a couple of the season totals for Eagles players. You know, we've touched on a few already, particularly on last week's episodes. We went to Miles Sanders and his total rushing yards and total uh, rushing touchdowns. We also went to um, Dallas Goddard, talked a little bit about him. We talked about A.J. Brown. 
Uh, and I want to focus in now on Jalen Hurts a little bit. Because last night, Thursday, leading up to the Hall of Fame game, there were some interesting comments. Right, Matthew Berry, fantasy football expert, uh, made an interesting comparison to Jalen Hurts. And uh, let's get into that, and then we'll we'll tie this all into some of Jalen's season totals at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. He compared uh, Jalen Hurts to Josh Allen, who I just mentioned. Uh, his team is the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl, and he is also the betting favorite right now to win regular season MVP. This is what Matthew Berry had to say, and I'm just going to read the quote. Jalen's currently QB8 on the fantasy board, and I think that's too low. Everyone knows about the rushing, but people are still questioning the pass. Uh, they question the accuracy, but think about another young quarterback who had good running ability, who had questionable accuracy, Josh Allen. Barry went on to say, look at Josh Allen's second year and then look at Jalen Hurts' second year, which he just completed. Jalen had more passing yards. He had a higher completion percentage. He had more rushing yards. He had the same amount of interceptions, same touchdowns per game. And what happened going into year three for Josh Allen? They gave him Stephon Diggs. Completion percentage goes up. He was the number one quarterback in fantasy. And what did the Eagles do this year? They gave Jalen A.J. Brown who Jalen Hurts is very close to off the field, the second year of Devontae Smith as well. So the number one quarterback in fantasy is within the range of outcomes for Jalen Hurts. I have him at QB number four as it relates to fantasy. Barry, last thought here from Barry, went on to say, I'm not saying he's got Josh Allen's arm, but I think the passing improves a lot, and he's going to be at least the top five fantasy quarterback this year. It's interesting, especially when you look at the quarterback's second years up next to one another, as sort of Barry implied there. Allen, 58.8% uh, completion percentage. Jalen, 61.3. Allen, 20 touchdowns. Hurts, 16. Both had nine interceptions. Um, Josh Allen had over 500 rushing yards with 510. Jalen, obviously, a little bit better there with 784. Uh, so a, a lot of comparisons that you can draw between one another and man i think we would all be thrilled if he has a josh allen type of growth from year two into year three you look at jalen's total rushing yards total at bet rivers right now set at 700 mentioned he finished with 784 last year the over 700 and a half priced at minus 125 the under is priced at even money Total rushing touchdowns for Jalen Hurts priced at seven and a half. The overpriced at minus one twelve. Under also minus one twelve. Total passing yards uh, three thousand six hundred and a half. So thirty six hundred and a half um, players. Total passing touchdowns for Jalen set at twenty two and a half. And total interceptions thrown eleven and a half. With the over for that priced at plus one hundred one. The underpriced at minus. 125 I do my favorite play from a positive standpoint I like the over for his total passing touchdowns at 22 and a half um, I also like the over for his rushing yards over 700 he finished with 784 last season um, he also sat out a game so I, I still like Jalen Hurts to you know finish right around like 725, 750 for rushing yards 
on the ground this season. We'll have to get into a little bit more of that conversation uh, on the coming episodes into the weekend and into next week right here on the Philadelphia CityCast. Thanks again to Frank Close, Phillies reporter, uh, joining us on this episode to help, he, help us chop it up talking some Major League Baseball and the Phillies. Uh, and we'll keep it going. Hope everyone has a great Friday, great rest of your weekend. Taking the under on the Phillies-Nationals game tonight, set at 9. Take the under 9. Money line just a little bit too steep at minus 210 for the Phils. I'm also staying away from the run line for the Phils, laying the 1.5 priced at minus 103. You can also give me a follow at WiseRye, W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. Uh, if anything changes from my standpoint, I always put out my plays that I'm going to make or not make on my Twitter feed leading up until the first pitch for this Phillies game on Friday night. Best of luck on your bets. Enjoy your Friday, and we'll see you next time right here on the Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Peace.